Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast on a, uh, I won't call it Black Monday, but a uh, dark, depressing Monday for Oklahoma State fans after what was against Texas Tech in Lubbock. Uh, Kyle Porter is hopping on with me now. Kyle, uh, that was a uh, bewildering game, to say the least. Well, you ju- your uh, microphone just cut out, so I didn't hear what you said uh, before blank game in Lubbock. So my mind is taking that to a number of different places. What, what did you call it? Bewildering. Okay, bewildering. Got you. Um, yeah, be- bewildering is one, is one way to put it. Um, yeah, it's not Black Monday. It might be like dark gray Monday for Oklahoma State. <laughs> Is that fair? Char- charcoal, charcoal. Monday. Yeah, charcoal. Uh, listen, it's not good, and uh, you know we have a ton to talk about with with Sanders, with Gundy, with um, you know Oklahoma State looking kind of like it's looked for the last three years now, right? And uh, I I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. But before we begin, let's talk about Mid First Bank. Mid First been sponsoring the podcast for about a month now. Uh, they've been awesome. Uh, you can go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing to sign up for an OSU credit card. Uh, I, I don't know how much you want to show your school pride on a Monday after that loss to Texas Tech, but if and when you want to again, you can do that. Uh, Pistol Pete on the credit card. Sign up, $150 bonus, uh, and they've got that offer for Pistols Firing podcast listeners. Midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Go and check them out, and uh, we appreciate them and, and everybody who's been uh, – who's been involved with that. So where, where do we begin with this Carson? Where, where do you want to start uh, with our, we got our mid first five. We got a couple other things coming up later in the pod, but we got four or five things written down here. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Well, we can go big picture after we just address, you know, the game itself. And I think we have to start when you're talking about the game itself with, with Spencer Sanders, obviously uh, five turnovers. You're not going to beat anybody hardly doing that. of line just didn't help him at all but he wasn't making the proper reads uh made some ill-advised throws and and really kyle it, it was five turnovers but how many interceptions were batted down by tech that that could could have very easily been intercepted i thought it was easily his worst performance and just very disconcerting considering i thought you illustrated this well in your 10 thoughts it seems like he's almost regressed in a ways from the Oregon State game. So I think that's uh, that's the first and foremost thing we need to tackle is just where are we at with Spencer Sanders? Yeah, I think you said it well. He's been like he's been regressing. And I think some of this is a little complicated because the games have been getting harder, right? Like, I mean, I guess the competition's been getting stiffer. You go from McNeese to, you know, legitimate Big 12 teams. And that's just um, – you know, it's just more difficult. Uh, but yeah, he's been all over the place. I mean, he, he, you, you call it his worst game, and it was, but it followed what I think you and I called his other worst game to this point last week against Kansas State. And the progression, or, or the, 
Yeah, the the movement is is it's it's a downward trajectory. It's not upward. And now look, I I wrote a piece on Monday. Said, the the title of it is "Don't bury Spencer Sanders." And, and I think the reason for that is you catch glimpses of it. You see it against Oregon State. You see it at times against Texas, and you're like, okay, this is what this can be. And I think everybody has these games, but we're running out of time to say everybody has these games. Mason Rudolph threw 11 interceptions in his first nine games as a, as a starter in college football. So it's not like even in recent OSU history, we haven't seen this, but at some point the switch has to flip. You have to get better and you have to move it forward. Right. And he's going through, I think you and Adam Lunt put out a tweet today with comparing the statistics through his first, you know, four or five games with that of Mason Rudolph, Whedon, you know, on Zach, all the greats. And it seems like he's going through the natural, you know, learning curve. And again, I know people are tired of hearing this, but I'm going to keep saying it. He's been grossly mismanaged to this point by Mike Gundy. I mean, the fact that you had four free games just to, just to throw him out there. And look, I'm not saying he should have started over Taylor Cornelius, but in games in which they'd already had one in the non-conference, Throw them out there. In games that they already lost when they were getting blown out against Tech and Kansas State, throw them out there. You had four free games to get this guy live game reps. And for people who think that doesn't matter, what does Mike Gundy ever say? He counts the number of games guys have played. It's, it's all about games and reps and live game FBS level action. And the fact that Taylor Cornelius took every snap last year while Spencer held a clipboard is inexcusable. I mean, and I said this last year. I said, Mike Gunny's yeah. painting himself into a corner here where, where with TC playing every single snap in that, you know, if Sanders lights it up, people are going to be like, well, why didn't he play last year? Well, if he has a game like he did against Texas Tech, people are going to be like, well, why didn't he play it all last year? He's going through the growing pains now as opposed to a 6-6 six and six season last year. So I just, I think they've mismanaged him. And more than that, Kyle, I just, when I watch these games, just from an overall, you know, general perspective what am i watching on offense what 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 is this offense it is not the princeton offense i've seen no concepts whatsoever it is basically hand the ball off to chuba hope he breaks one or throw it deep to tylen or just throw bubble screens and and let the receivers get blown up because they can't block them i've seen no creativity to help spencer sanders out i've seen no effort to get him some easy throws like simple football 101 to get your quarterback settled in on the road. I've seen no creativity, no in-game adjustments, and I don't know what I'm watching on offense. This to me looks a lot like the first year under Mike Yurcich, in which remember the game against West Virginia in the red zone when they tried to run off tackle with Chuba, just no creativity, forcing the run. Well, what's what's the common denominator here? It's Mike Gundy. And this this offense is not working, and OSU has to win games with their offense. We'll get to the defense which struggle in the second half, but the defense kept them in it in the first half. So I, yeah. overall, Spencer is going through growing pains. But more than that, I just I don't know what I'm watching on offense. Has your has your long term outlook of, of Sanders changed? Not necessarily. I, I do think I myself may have gotten a little ahead of myself after the Oregon State game. <laughs> but but to your point, like that Oregon State game feels like it happened like in another universe. Right. Yeah, and that that offense looked like a different offense. They were well, running that, actual like schemes and stuff that we hadn't seen before. Not, that's not I, running off tackle and running bubble screens all day. That's what I'm. That's what I mean. Is like that, that's the thing I thought of when you're going 
you're you're going on this Princeton thing is like that Oregon State game. And look, I get it. Oregon State's not good. Although, didn't they beat UCLA by like three touchdowns? Yeah, UCLA stinks too. But well, whatever. They're playing. I mean, Oregon State and Tech would be a decent game, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but like, it, it's not as if they were running. It, it's not as if they were playing like. Uh, an FCS school in that game. Like they were playing a, a, a FBS school that has won other FBS games against conference teams. And they like, that just, it feels like a different offense. Like, I, I think you're totally right about that. And I, I don't know. It's not, it like Sanders seemed more, uh, I don't know what they're poised or like, he seemed more in control of the offense then than he does now, which is which is weird. Like he just it, it seems like they have like three plays now. Like roll him out, look for Tylen, throw it like just throw it in Tylen's general direct. I mean, if Tylen had fifteen targets on Saturday, and or hand it to Chuba or the bubble screen. Like those are the three plays, and it's like, well, why are you paying Sean Gleason seven hundred thousand dollars a year to call three plays? Like I I, I think you're I think your point is totally valid and I think it's been a disservice to Sanders to, I, I don't know. And maybe, that, maybe a part of that's on him. Maybe they don't trust. I mean, clearly like they've, he's given them reasons to not trust him. So maybe, sure. maybe some of that is on him as well, but I don't know. The offense in general, I think has gone in a, in not a good direction. Well, and, and how about Tech just just blitzing and OSU having no adjustment whatsoever? I mean that that's just that's just poor offense. I mean Tech just started sending blitzers and go, oh well, Sanders can't handle the blitz and they're not doing anything to help him out with the blitz, so uh, let's just keep blitzing him. And and I guess my overall viewpoint from the game and just the offense in general is, to me it it just seems like I know Gundy doesn't call every play but it seems like he's in control of the offense, right? Like he can act like he doesn't go to the meetings and all that, but this offense looks exactly like it did in 2013 in Mike Yersage's first season. So to me, Kyle, it's starting to look a little bit like 2009 where Mm -hmm. Gundy was calling the plays, the offense had gotten a little bit of stale, and they hired Dana Holgerson who runs his own offense and doesn't listen to Mike Gundy. And boom, they become the best offense in the country. They win the Big 12 two years later. I mean, it just, to me, it almost seems like Gundy's been kind of reverted back to his old ways in 2009 and where he's running the offense. That's just, that's the general vibe I'm getting on offense because they have super talent all over the place. Is their offensive line very good? No. Was it very good when they had Mason Rudolph? No, but they, they still put up points. So I almost think they need to let Gleason run his deal and like, I'm not saying he's Dana Holgerson, but you brought this guy in for a reason. Cut him loose. Do Let you, him run his stuff. What do you think Dana and Todd Munkin said when Gundy walked in the in the offensive room? They threw an empty Red Bull can at him and told him to get out. You think Todd Munkin listened when Gundy said, I, I got an idea? Yeah, he didn't listen when he said on third and eight, uh, or third and goal from the eight-yard line to run off tackle <laughs> against Kansas State. So I I don't know I just I think they need a reboot like at least in terms of of Gundy's control of the offense because that it's clear like it doesn't it look exactly like the first season under Yursich where he looks totally hamstrung and they're just running very uncreative uh, unimaginative offense. Well, they almost won the Big Twelve the first year under Yursich. Which, well, they had uh, a historically great defense too. That's why. Yeah, yeah they did. 
And they are their offense did lit up the latter half of that year with with Clint Shelf. So did did you think all that? I'm just saying, just doesn't it feel like they've gotten stale? Oh yeah, for sure. But the the thing that I struggle with, it's hard to tell how much of that is Sanders, how much of that is Gundy, how much of that is uh, play calling, how much of it is philosophical. I I don't know. Like I I yes, I agree with you. I just don't know the reason why. Did you think they should have gone to to uh, Drew Brown on Saturday? Yes and no. Like, and again, I, I said this last year in those games where Cornelius was getting blown out by Tech and K State. Like, at a certain point, if your quarterback keeps turning the ball over, like you have to sit him. Like, I, I totally would have been fine if he had brought in Drew Brown. Now, I guess he he broke a pinky like working on his car or something. I guess that's the word. Like, I guess Drew Brown was hurt in some capacity with his, with his hand. And maybe that was a reason, or maybe Gundy didn't want to hurt Spencer Sanders' confidence. I was fine. I was fine with bringing him in, and I do think at a certain point, if a quarterback has you know three or four turnovers, you sit him down because what were to happen if if you know Chuba fumbled three or four times? Like I know it's Chuba, but at a certain point, if a guy's turning the ball over that much and killing your chances to win a game, you got to just sit him and put somebody else in. So I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, did you? Uh, how excited were you when Chuba started throwing throwing the team on his back late in the first half? It was pretty awesome. I mean that that touchdown run where it looked like I know you don't watch movies, but the, the listeners do. Like vars, <laughs> varsity blues when Billy Bob scores at the end of the movie, he has literally like eight guys on his back and he just carries them across the goal line. That's what it looked like. He's a freak. Like people are coming at us about. Who was it? Terry Miller about one of the uh, being one of the three best backs in OSU history. Yeah, the old we we fired up the olds. Yeah, stop. Go watch Chuba. He, I mean, <laughs> he the fourth quarter. I mean, I, look like whatever they lost and you know it wasn't great, but he just looks he looks like he's like he looks like a professional, right? Like he looks like an NFL running back playing against. Uh, Pretty mediocre college football team. That that's exactly what it looked like, and that's exactly what it is. He is, he's um he's unbelievable, and um, you know I I think that I think that despite uh, the loss, there is uh, I don't know. There's still a ton of reason to be excited about his uh, last season in Stillwater. Yeah, I mean he looks like the best player in college football, even in a loss. Yeah. I mean, just look at this. this the stat line's one thing, but then to watch, you know, the plays that he made, it's just like we underestimated this guy. I think everyone did. Like this guy's off the charts, and it's just a shame that this is going to be really the only season they have him. And it's and man, I mean, you look at the schedule now, Kyle. It's it, it could be a bad season. His his one and only. I mean, they got Baylor at home, Iowa State on the road. I mean, those are two tough games. And it's uh, I thought you you illustrated this well in your ten thoughts. And and again, I I do want to commend you. I thought your ten thoughts was was well thought out. I thought it was very fair uh, criticism. And you, you're right. It's a big. This is a huge few games coming up. Not only for Mike Gundy and Spencer Sanders, but I mean to to really capitalize on on Chuba Hubbard for his what's going to be his last. Uh, I got a. Uh... We got a couple things real quick, and then we're going to call a, a special guest, which we're excited about, uh, to talk about the about the QB situation a little bit more. Uh, I got a stat here for you that I compiled in my piece on Monday, 
So if you look at the, I went back and looked at the last three Heisman winners, all quarterbacks, Kyler Baker and Lamar Jackson. And I looked at their freshman years, Carson. I looked at their first seasons as starting quarterbacks in college football. And uh, I, I kind of uh, made that into like a, a single person, like the, the, the Heisman winner from the last three years. And if you look at their numbers, so uh, 60% completion rate, 173 yards a game, which is not very good, uh, 53 rushing yards, and then the TD to interception ratio was uh, 29 to 24. So pretty, pretty average, right? Pretty mediocre. And if you look at Sanders so far this year, 63% completion rate, 222 yards a game through the air, uh, 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, so almost exactly the same numbers there, and then 71 rushing yards per game. So my point is not that Spencer Sanders is going to win Heisman. My point is that freshman seasons are um, just by nature volatile. And I I just don't think you can take one game or two games or half a season and say, this is who this guy is. Somebody in the comments, Carson, you're going to enjoy this. Somebody in the comments comments said, that's fine, but OSU could have gone through all these growing pains last season. Gundy turned one rebuilding year into two. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, and again, I obviously Gundy felt Taylor Cornelius gave the best chance to win games. I'm perfectly fine with that, but you wasted four games worth. However many quarters that was, was that 32 quarters football four games. Yeah. That's 16 or 16. I'm sorry. My math's (laughs) not great. And I haven't had my morning coffee yet, but you wasted four (laughs) games. That's what I get for trying to do math on a, on the morning podcast. (laughs) But you wasted four games of like actual live game experience. Now, am I saying that him playing in four games last year, he wouldn't have had a performance like that against Tech? No, but I think he would handle a blitz better. I think he would be more comfortable making reads. And again, this is this game of football is just like anything else in life. It's about reps and experience. And he stood on the sideline and held held a clipboard the entire season last year. I just think that's mismanaging. Spencer Sanders is mismanaging your football program. That's just that's just bad. That's bad coaching. That's inexcusable. I said it last year, and I stand by it. I wonder if he holds a clipboard like he holds a football, just one arm flailing about, <laughs> just up in the air waiting to get stripped. Uh, real quick on the defense, I thought the defense look like you can look at the final numbers and whatever. Like I get it. Tech scored forty five. They'd scored thirty the the two previous weeks before total against OU and. Uh, who else did they play? Arizona, Arizona State. I think they, I think they played Arizona. So like forty-five points, not great. They had eighteen drives. I mean, they got the ball eighteen times because Oklahoma State kept turning it over. And so you keep putting your defense in that position, and it, I mean, it just becomes impossible. Like if you give up forty-five in, the, in an SEC game when there's like seven and a half possessions, that's bad. Like that's really bad. If you, have, if you give up 45 in a Big 12 game where there's 18 possessions that the other team gets, 18 times they get the ball in pretty good shape in terms of field position, it's really not that bad. It, it really isn't. And I thought they kind of rolled over a little at times in the second half. But their bigger issue, Carson, they just don't create, they don't create turnovers. And when you're turning it over as much as they do and not creating anything to get the ball back, you're just not you're not going to be as competitive as you want to be. 
Yeah, I mean, since I'm bad at math, what's that points per drive? I won't attempt to do that math. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good. But, but no, I mean, I thought but, it was almost a miracle they weren't down more in the first half. I mean, the way they forced field goals, and obviously the kid missed a field goal. Like, I thought the defense kept them in it. And just like at, at times last year, Remember the Kansas State game? They just they kept them in it in the first half. And just if you keep getting thrown out there with punts and turnovers from the offense, getting losing the field position battle too with turnovers from the offense, then you're you eventually you're going to break. That dam is going to break, and it broke in the second half. Now I'm not I'm not excusing the secondary for what I saw in the second half. But to your point, 18 drives like that dam is going to break. I mean, 18, 45 points in the Big 12 and 18 drives is pretty good. I know. And that's again, Oshu's offense is losing these games, not the defense. I thought the defense played well enough to win in Austin, and the offense let them down. I thought they played well enough in the first half for Oklahoma State to stay in it, and they just could get nothing going offensively. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Okay. Uh, we're going to call our guest, Brandon Whedon, joining us to talk QBs. I uh, want to ask him some questions just about being in the spot that, that Spencer Sanders is in. I know that um, he's – you know, I don't think he's turned it over five times in a game. He threw a bunch of picks against Troy in 2010. So just, just about like where your confidence is at, what it means to, to, for your coach to stick with you. I, I wanted to get his perspective because it's a perspective Carson that you and I don't have. Um, so we're going to call him, but first, uh, let's hear again from, from mid first bank. You can, uh, enter to win the ultimate game day experience Enter now between, uh, excuse me, enter between now and, and October 31st, uh, all it takes is swiping your mid-first credit card or debit card. You're automatically entered every time uh, you swipe your card. Two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November at stake. Uh, you can also win a gift basket or $500 cash. So pretty cool promotion that mid-first has going on. And now let's uh, get to Brandon Whedon. Join us right now is former OSU quarterback, Big 12 champion, and Fiesta Bowl champion, Brandon Whedon. Uh, Brandon, it's good to have you on the podcast. Uh, before we get into quarterback stuff and, and OSU's game against Tech, what's what's it been like? Uh, I saw you've been doing some TV work with, with Dave Hunzacker and OSU. What's that been like for you? You know, it's been fun. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a transition, man. I didn't, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of work that goes into it that, you know, not for me, but just the the way it all works from a production standpoint i mean it's uh there's a lot of moving moving parts but it's been fun I've, I've enjoyed it you know it's kind of kind of weird being on this side of it and going back and talking about it you know versus playing it but um i've really enjoyed it man i think this is gonna be something i'm gonna give give a whirl and see if i uh want to continue doing it but so far so far i really like it yeah that's awesome and and you you clearly are good at it and know what you're talking about are able to communicate a lot of that stuff really well before we talk specifically about tech i'm curious just about what your thoughts have been more generally on uh spencer sanders uh, like just the first half of his first season as the quarterback and and how the offense has been uh, kind of going overall what are some things that you've noticed that maybe i don't know fans and and uh people in the media aren't necessarily talking about yeah i mean i think the he's played well in spots uh and then there's spots where he's played in my opinion, pretty bad. I mean, he's missing some things in the passing game. Um, I'm not really sure that he really trusts what's going on up front protection-wise. Um, he, you know, he's feeling some pressure sometimes. It's really not there. And then, you know, he's he's kind of by, bypassing reads, you know. So that's the discouraging thing. And then, you know, obviously the ball security. I mean, you can't you can't turn it over five times. I don't care if you're playing, 
McNeese State or you're playing Alabama. I mean, you're going to get beat. So I mean, the ball security thing's been an issue. You know, he runs with the ball like a loaf of bread sometimes, and I've been saying that. You know, you got to be, uh, you got to take care of that thing. It's a piece of gold, and you know, everybody that, that wears that uniform and is part of that that uh, program is kind of, especially the quarterback, to take care of it. So I don't know. Like I said, he's still a young player. I get that, but we're also what are we five games in? You know, and he's still making some, you know, some mistakes that are kind of discouraging. You know, and um, you know, Tech's defense in, in particular, I mean, they're not a bunch of world beaters, but, you know, they, from, the, from what I've seen so far, I mean, they've, uh, they're playing harder, you know, and, and you know, kind of got Oklahoma State out of rhythm. So, I don't know, like I said, he's got a lot to clean up, in my opinion. I mean, he's got a long ways to go. Um, like I said, he's made some, some throws. I'm like, wow, that's pretty special. And then he's made some throws. I'm like, uh, you know, he's a, he's a freshman, you know. So, long ways to go. Now, I think he's a talented dude, um, but, you know, it, to, to take it another step further, I know I'm rambling here, but you know they're um, they've had the training wheels on them. I mean, they kept it as simple as they can possibly keep it for them, you know. And, and that goes twofold. That that may be part of the reason he's you know missing some stuff. It's just you know it's it's so simple. You know they're not they're not opening open the playbook. It doesn't seem like for them. Uh, but I think you're going to have to do that as as you know Big Twelve play goes on. You know when you start facing some of these better defenses. Yeah, and Brandon, I've been pretty critical of of Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy not not playing him at all last year when they had four free games to do so with the new redshirt rule. I'm just curious, you know, you played in that Colorado game in 2009, getting actual live game experience. How much did that help you when you became the starter in 2010? And do you think they should have maybe thrown him out there some last year? Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, you know, practice reps, you know, especially scout team stuff, and that's all carded. You know, you're you're running plays off of a card. So that doesn't really prepare you for games. Um, you know, I, with the rules the way they are, you know, the way the season went last year, yeah, I think there were some spots where you could have thrown him in there. Um, you know, was he ready? No, but that that's going to help him get ready, in my opinion. Um, he just, you know, there's nothing that's really going to get you ready to go out and play, especially, you know, against good teams, unless you go out and just physically do it. You know, you can watch all the tape you want. You can practice all you want. You can throw your routes on air seven on seven. It's not the same. Uh, when you're standing in the pocket and bullets are flying, you know, it's uh, it's completely different. So, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I, I think that you know there was an opportunity to throw him out there and get his feet wet, and maybe that would have paid off. You know, but then then on the flip side, let's say you throw him out there, and he really scuffles, throws some picks, you know, turns it over, plays really bad. Then you then you there's an opportunity. You know, maybe it it rattles him and, and shakes up, and didn't have maybe the confidence you want going forward if you think he's a starter. So. It's twofold. I, I've been saying about quarterbacks in the NFL, college football. I mean, like I said, you want to throw them out there, but to, if they're not quite ready and they go out there and, and scuffle, you know, playing the quarterback position takes a lot of confidence and you want to feel free to go out and let it rip. And if you're tentative, um, you know, it's I don't care what level you're playing at, it's, it's pretty tough. At what point did it slow down for you? Because you go Colorado in 09, and then you go you go Washington State to open 10, Troy, Tulsa, A&M to open up 2010. At what point did it kind of click for you of like, okay, like this is this is a, a speed that I can handle. Like I, it's slowed down. I can actually think out here. What 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 was that game for you? Uh, I think it was probably week two of 2010. You know, maybe toward the end of that game, you know, I got in the, after halftime out in the second half. I felt like I had a pretty good feel. Like, I, I was able to adjust. Um, I know we played pretty well against Washington State week one, but it was still felt fast. You know, just, you know, you try to play fast, and so it just it 
compounds and you're, you're trying to it's just like someone pushes fast forward on a on a tv you know on a on the ipad or something but um so i would say yeah week two you know and i felt more comfortable with our system i felt more comfortable like you know with like getting the speed um but every guy's different i mean there's some guys that may take four or five games and some guys that may take a full year you know but um i felt pretty good about it um you know pretty early on really Brandon, I, I thought it was interesting. You mentioned they, they're probably keeping the offense simple for Spencer. When I watch these games, it it just it looks like they've incorporated nothing from Sean Gleason in, in the Princeton offense. Um, I'm just curious when you watch these games, does this look like you know Mike Gundy has control of this offense? Because to me, it looks a lot like 2013 when when Mike Yersich first took over and was basically brought in to just to run what what Gundy wanted to run. Just what are you seeing? You're you're far more advanced. Than, than me when it comes to football and schemes and everything. What are you seeing out of this offense and they're running? And just is this the Gundy offense with no Gleason input? What are what are you seeing? No, I think I think Gundy's definitely involved. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when Zach was there. You know, a lot of quarterback design runs, the options back in there. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of bubble screen. You know, it's very uh, very very vanilla. I, I think I think Gundy's definitely got his thumb on it. Um, and I, I think. I think Gundy, and I, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I mean, on both sides of the ball, I think he's really emphasizing to the coaches: let's keep this, let's keep it as simple as possible. Mm. You know, don't ask these guys to do too much. Let's go out and do what we're good at. Blah, you know, that's all good and dandy against Oregon State and these State. You know, teams that you're better than, but you know, eventually, I man, you gotta you gotta scheme some stuff up. And so far, I haven't seen it. I'll be honest. I mean, it's just I watch this offense. I mean. I'm not real familiar with Gleason did at Princeton. I know they scored a lot of points and put up a lot, you know, a lot of yards, but um, I mean, this looks nothing like the offense that we ran when I was there. It's completely different. I know the quarterback's got a different uh, skill set, but I mean, it's, um, I don't know. You got a premier running back, you got a premier receiver, and they're just not doing things to, to highlight them. I mean, you know, on third long, you just throw jump balls to Thailand. I mean, that's not a recipe. I mean, you know, it's going to work every once in a while, but you know, it's just, I don't know. I get frustrated because, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent. I mean, I think the offensive line struggling. I don't care what anyone says. I don't think they're playing great. Um, Tuba Hubbard's just a stud, and he's making them look better than they really are, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's that guy's elite. I think he's, he's a great back. And, and I know they've had, had some injuries and they're shuffling some guys around. But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sitting here watching this first, first half of the Tech game, and, you know, the entire game is being played on Oklahoma State's on the other side of the ball, you know, there's so much penetration and, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. I, I think they got to do something. They got, they got to make some changes. You know, they, they got to, you know, play not to lose, you know, open some things up and, and uh, let it, let it, let it ripple a bit. In my opinion, like I said, I'm not there. I'm not in the meetings, but you know, what I'm seeing on tape is, is not really what I was kind of expecting coming in this year. Yeah, I agree. Carson and I were just talking about that, and even the Oregon State game looked far different in terms of the way they went about their offense than what we've seen the last few weeks. I'm curious if you, like, let's say uh, we take a magic wand and you're the offensive coordinator for the first half against Baylor in two weeks, homecoming, and you look at you look at Sanders and what what are the things that you're doing with him to put him in a in a position to succeed? Because it feels like a lot of times they're just like. Hey, it, honestly, like it feels a little like flag football sometimes. Like just run around, and yeah. when somebody gets open, like throw it in that general direction. I'm like, well, I ran that play in flag football like ten years ago, and it didn't work very <laughs> often. 
what 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 would you what would you do in terms of just setting him and and that offense up better for some success? And I don't mean like completely overhaul, but what are a couple of things that that you would do to to kind of help them out? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, first and second down passing, I think, has kind of been an issue for them. I mean, they've they made a few plays, but you know, whether that be quick game, RPOs, and I do they do some RPOs, uh, and I'm not, you know. I think they get blown out of proportion, but um, you know, I, I think quick game early on. Um, I think, in my opinion, and I've said this all along, like guys like Dylan Sooner. I mean, he's in my opinion a pretty good player. You know, especially on the inside. There's there's some room on the inside. Of these defenses, the way the defenses are playing, especially in college football, but um, our defense, Texas played the same way. Tech does a little bit. And everybody's you know TCU, Iowa State. They all run kind of a similar defense. And I just think that it's all zone. You know, rush three. But there's holes, you know, if, if you, you know, it's a lot of two-deep safety. So if you can run high-low combinations, I've been saying that since week one. I was telling Dave that, you know, if you just run your normal drawback stuff, protect it up, you know, with the six-man protection, you should be able to block three. If you can't, you got bigger problems. And then, you know, run high-low concepts, run quick game, run, you know, whatever, you know, you, he feels comfortable with as far as the route concepts go. But, you know, get the ball out of his hands, easy completions. Um, but, you know, you run it on first down, try to throw it, you know, on second down, you know, and then it's third long. It's like, well, that's tough, you know. So stay ahead of the chains and do that by, one, getting the ball out of your hands, easy completions, and, um, you know, you don't have to throw it to number two every time. There, there's other players on that offense that can make plays. Um, but, you know, there's there's several things that, you know, I could go on and on. I, I'm no offense coordinator. I, I don't think I'd be great at calling plays, but um, – it's such a rhythm. I mean, you get guys, and, and Dana and Munkin were the best at it. Early on in games, get me in a rhythm, give me a few completions, and then you got the confidence. Now, now let's go let it rip. You can call whatever you want after, you know, two, three, four, or five completions. And then I feel good about it, and I'm not scared to make and try, try to make any throw. But, you know, right now it's just like, okay, we'll, we'll sell the inside zone. We'll throw a little screen out to the right. Okay, they get stuck. And then it's like, okay, now it's second long. Try to run it. You know, it's just – you're butting your head up against the wall. You're not, you're not, you know, keeping it simple, but different concepts, if you will. I mean, it's just um, this offense. I've I've been a part of it. I mean, there's there's a lot more than they're doing right now, in my opinion. And Brandon, one of the biggest problems lately for OSU is is playing the teams they're better than. When you were there, you guys were so good at beating, you know, the Techs of the world, the K States. I think since 2017, they are four and six as a as a favorite, and they're five and two as an underdog. What do you think this team needs to do to to play like the way they do as underdogs, as they do as favorites, as just as a as a football team getting up for these these teams they're better than? Because frankly, Brandon, they're losing to teams they're they're better than. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, I think a lot of it. I mean, this game. I mean, other than the turnover, turnover reason they lost the game, but you know the sense of urgency just doesn't really seem there. I mean, I thought that I, with an exception of last week, I think the defense really played their tails off last week and really stood up to what K-State did. K-State's not a bad team. They run a completely different scheme and they did a lot of good things. They started fast. They played harder than K-State, you know, but I don't think that's really been the case. I think there's been teams that would, you know, play harder and play faster than, than Oklahoma State does. And, you know, the teams, you can't let teams that, aren't real good, even stay in the game. you got to start early and just step on their throat from the get-go and send a message. And then, you know, usually those teams are like, oh, here we go again. You know, it's over. It's a wrap. And then, then you just go and do, go about your business. But you let teams like this hang around, you know, especially on the road. You know, I mean, I know Tech's 
you know, not like it used to be, but, you know, it's still a tougher place to play. You let them hang around, and then they sneak up on you and beat you by 20. It's like, okay, well, they shouldn't be in the game. You know, you should just come out from the from the first play and punch them in the mouth. And, you know, there's just uh, – it just seems like at times they tip their, tip their toe in the water a little bit and kind of feeling it out, and the next thing you know, it's like, oh, hell, we're down 10. You know, <laughs> now we got to get going. Well, sometimes that's too late, you know, so – I just think you got to start faster. I mean, I don't care if you're playing high school football or NFL football. If you go out and start slow and dip your toe in the water, you're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> how does uh, how does Chuba compare to some of the guys you played with in terms of um, – I mean, you mentioned that Washington State game. I was just looking at it. Uh, Kendall Hunter had 257 that game to open 2010. And then you go, obviously, Joe Randall the year after. And uh, those were – I mean, those were NFL backs. How does Chuba compare to – just in terms of the way he looks compared to those guys. Yeah, you know, I think he's a little different skill set than maybe Kendall. Kendall was more like a, like a, I don't know, quick feet, like that, that you know, real make him miss in the hole, like real shifty. And, and Chuba's got a little bit of that, but I said it with Dave, and I know this is maybe way out of my line. I hate making comparisons, but and I said this in the last little deal we did, but he kind of reminds me of like a Le'Veon Bellish. You know, he's bigger, he's taller. Yeah, you know, pretty thick. Kind of has the same running style. He's got breakaway speed, but he's extremely patient, man. Like he just he, he kind of lets things develop, and then he just hits it, and he's always, always falling forward. And that's just to me is a sign of good back. You know, Joe Randall had a little bit of that. I would compare him more to Joe than I would Kendall. Um, but they're you know he's a he's a big back. I've been really impressed. I mean, I know you know obviously the numbers kind of speak for themselves, but you know some of those are some of these runs he's making when things really aren't blocked that well and he's getting seven or eight yards, that's kind of hidden yards. They're not going to be on sports center, but you're like, damn, and that's, that's pretty impressive. And uh, again, I think this offensive line has a long ways to go. I don't care what anyone says. They're, they're not, they're not playing as well as they could or should. Um, but he's, he's making them look pretty good because he's, he's able to, you know, improvise a little bit and, and uh, again, fall forward for positive plays all the time. So uh, yeah, I would say, that, you know, if you're comparing, you know, Kendall and those guys, you know, he's, He's uh he's a big back. You know, he, I didn't realize how tall he was, six one, six two. But uh, I'd say he's more Joe Randall than than Kendall. I guess yeah, man. Those two guys. He is a total freak. Uh, Brandon, just give the people an update. What's next for you? Obviously, you're doing some TV for, with Oklahoma State. Are, are you going to take Tony Romo's job and start calling some NFL games? Just what's uh what's the future look like for you? <laughs> uh, you know, I want to get in the media media world. Um, you know, with you guys. Uh. You know, I just hired an agent a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm kind of late to the party as far as, you know, obviously calling games this year. But that's the ultimate goal is to, you know, do some color stuff. Um, and I'd like to stay in the college football world. I, I enjoy that. And obviously there's more opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to put it, put together some reels, trying to get some, you know, trying to get do as much as I can right now to just get as many reps as I can, you know, basically for next spring and, you know, hopefully enjoy it, like it, get better at it you know, work on some things I need to continue to work on. Um, but I hired a, a media coach. I'm doing the whole deal. I'm actually out here right, right now in San Francisco. I know the producer for Monday Night Football, um, he invited me out. I've been sitting in production meetings and, um, you know, kind of visiting with, with Booger McFarland and Joe Testor and the crew and kind of seeing how everything works. And I didn't realize, I mean, you know, if Monday Night Football is into a production, but I mean, it's crazy. I, not what I expected. So they're going to let me sit in the booth tonight with Booger and, and Tess, and I'll be out of the way, obviously. But, um, go out in the truck and kind of get, a, yeah, go go get a feel for that. So I'm pretty excited. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna keep keep doing this. I'm, doing, I'm gonna do some real estate stuff on the side. Um, you know, I, I 
don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So I'm just going to fortunately go out and buy some, buy some stuff and buy some land and maybe develop some stuff and, um, you know, kind of go that route. Uh, I've had some companies reach out to me as for, for job opportunities. Not real sure that's the route I want to go. I kind of want to do this media thing and give it a, give it a whirl. I think it'd be fun. I think I'd be decent at calling games. Um, just from the quarterback's perspective. And I think I got a decent feel for, you know, explaining things. I just got to learn how to say a lot in a little bit of time. I found that out real quick. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, just trying to trying to make it in this world. I'm, like I said, I'm late to the party, so I'm having to, you know, do some catch-up as far as the timing thing goes. But um, really looking forward to it. We'll see how it goes. So far, so far, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that that's exciting. Uh, golf. If if the football thing doesn't work out, we'll go do some golf together. Morning drive, whatever, whatever you want to do. I I agree with you about yeah, the production. I, I agree with you about the production oh, side. There's like there's like forty people, uh, you know, behind the scenes that you're like, oh, I didn't know somebody had that that part of the job. Uh, real quick, uh, I, I don't know how much of it you saw, but uh, Mason Rudolph involved in um, kind of a, a scary hit on Sunday. I, I was just curious, like what what do you think about when you see stuff like that? And um, I, I don't know, just maybe maybe more generally about football and about kind of the future of football and just what goes through your head whenever you see something like that happen to Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I mean, it's, that was a scary hit. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the game is so violent. I mean, college level a little bit, but the NFL level, you know, if you guys have ever been on the sidelines for an NFL game, I mean, it's just so daggum fast and yeah. violent. I mean, guys are flying around. So one, Guys know what they signed up for. You know, they're making a bunch of money. They know the risk, the whole deal. You know, they've tried to protect players and make the game safer. Um, but I don't care what they do rule-wise. I mean, when you're out there and you're trying to make a living, you're trying to make plays, and these defensive guys are trying to make plays on the ball and knock the crap out of guys. I mean, you know, you can have the best helmet in the world, but if you hit somebody going that hard, you're going to get a concussion and you might get knocked out. Or, you know, I mean, it's it's a scary it's a scary deal. I, I You know, I don't think they'll ever get it fixed. You know, I'm just I'm hopeful my kids never want to play football. You know, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I think the league's doing a lot of really good things as far as the NFL goes to to make the game safer. Um, but I just don't know if you can ever completely you know make it. And you know, some of these hits on these quarterbacks. I mean, they, as a quarterback, I laugh. I'm like, how in the hell is that roughly a passer? I mean, that's just that's brutal. <laughs> but again, they're trying they're trying they're trying to protect them. You know, quarterbacks make football go as far college or NFL. You know, so they're got to have you know those are those are the guys people paying to go see so i don't know man i you know like i said i i, I haven't reached out to mason i've obviously given him a while but you know that hit was that was scary i mean yeah, yeah i'm sure earl thomas obviously didn't do it you know blatantly i mean it was just he's trying to make a play and you know hit him in the jaw and tko'd him so yeah. um you know, i've had i've had a couple concussions and i didn't have any in college so my first one was in the nfl and and it's scary. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I never got knocked out like that, but it's, it's, uh, it's scary, man. I, like I said, the, the, the game's not going to change. You know, you just either got to sign up for it, know what you signed up for, or, you know, decide early on, you don't want to do it. Well, you're in a position now doing uh, media where you don't have to worry too much about concussions. Um, so you'll, you'll, God. you'll, you'll be good there. Hey, Thanks for your time, man. I know you're busy. Uh, enjoy San Francisco. Enjoy Monday Night Football. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, fellas. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, okay. Brian. See ya. Carson. Good to have Brandon back on the show, friend of the pod. 
Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he's unleashed. Yeah. He, he and can like, finally he, speak his mind. Well, and he, he has good takes because he, I think you can like get on that side of it as a player being in the game for a long time and just get, I don't know. You can just like get too deep into that world to where like you don't see both sides. He sees both sides of everything. And so he's got, um, he's got nuanced takes, but he's got a different viewpoint, which I think makes for really interesting commentary. Carson, I think he'd be unbelievable as a color guy. Don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I, when I first learned that he was going to get into media, I, I just said, perfect because I mean, I've never quite, you know, obviously he was a unique player and that he was older when he was in college, but I've never seen a player do post game and, and, Monday interview sessions where he will handle waves of reporters. Yeah. Like there will be two or three waves to come up and talk to Brandon and he was excellent in all three, but most of the time, you know, in a post game, a guy will talk for a few minutes and the reporters will go about their way and that's it. But he, he's just a total pro. He's always been very articulate. Obviously, as he said, you know, playing the quarterback position gives him a unique perspective to, to break down game. And I think he'll be excellent at it. It sounds like he's already got the proper uh, coaching and help, and I'm sure he'll attack it like he did football. So I, I, I can't wait. I think as soon as he gets some experience under his belt, I think he's going to be awesome at it. Yeah, and, and I think there's a difference between like, I, like I think he enjoys it, right? Like he he wants to like come on our silly little podcast and like you know chop it up about a college football game that half you know most of the country doesn't care about like he like really like desires to do that and I think you look at some other guys that that are good with media and it's like they just kind of do it like they put up with it right like I never thought Rudolph was was bad but he you could tell like he just kind of like did it out of obligation I think Whedon actually enjoys it because uh, I think he's smart about it I think he can offer a good perspective and I think he knows that and I don't know I just I think when you have that combo of like you're good at it and you like actually desire to do it, I, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty good uh, formula for a lot of success in the future. Yeah, and he's right. There's plenty of opportunity in college because there's just there's so many games. So, you know, just starting out somewhere, you know, calling those games will be will be awesome. So, I, I'm happy for him, and it seems like he's he's on his way. So throw him on throw him on ESPN Plus tomorrow. He'd be he'd be an upgrade. Be upgrade, yeah, Heck he'd be yeah. great. Heck yeah, I'm on uh, Plus. Okay, we need to, uh, Carson, real quick, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, white, white, black for OSU. They wore the badge on the white helmet. Uh, we kind of split. I said it was going white, white, gray. You said black, white, black. So together we got it right. Um, what do you think and who is your uni Heisman? I think it's one of the best road looks they have. I, I love the helmet. I love it's the badge. Really good. Yeah, the black face mask complemented by the black numbers with the black pants uh, was sensational. They, they wore white gloves too with the white helmet and white jersey, which I thought looked good. I thought it was an elite road uniform combination. Unfortunately, they they didn't play as well, but. <laughs> um, and we're going to go over their record here over the last couple of years to where I think we need to kind of quit worrying about how they play in certain uniform combinations and just embrace the combinations themselves. I think uh, <laughs> they have much bigger issues than worrying about uniform karma these days than they used to. Yeah, I thought it was a great combo. I thought the contrast with Tech was really good. Uh, LD Brown is my uni Heisman. I, I know that uh, 
Some people in our Slack chat were not pleased about me giving LD Brown awards. Although for one carry, he kind of looked like Thurman to Chuba's Berry. He looked uh, <laughs> he looked unbelievable uh, for one carry against Tech. But uh, he had the untucked shirt. He had the towel in the back. He had the spats like Chuba did. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a tremendous uniform performance from LD Brown. I'm going Chuba, man. I mean, he had the spats on, which just yeah, made him look even sick. faster than he already was. <laughs> I mean, I was getting like flashbacks to, um, you know, Desmond Howard rocking the spats, Warwick mm. Dunn rocking the spats. Obviously, had the clear visor and, and the white gloves. I thought looked fantastic on, on Chuba, and he he obviously rocks the visor too. But I thought Chuba just looked, you know, as good as as good as a football player as he is. He looked he looked great in the uni as well. He's my pretty uni as, Heisman. Pretty as they get. What pretty as they say? get. Pretty as they get. I, you know, it's, it's a bummer because it's going to be a lost season for Chuba in terms of like the national spotlight. I, I wish OSU was really good for his best year uh, because if they were, I mean, he, just the attention that he would be getting nationally would be unbelievable, right? I mean, he is he is so good. And uh, I don't know. That, that part kind of bums me out. Okay, uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. We'll come back. I got one interesting thing for you, Carson, and we will wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. uh, My one interesting thing. I know you enjoy this stat. I put it on my 10 thoughts. If you haven't read it, which a lot of you probably already have, but uh, if not, here it is. From 2005 to 2016, Mike Gundy's first, what is that, 11? We, we can't do math on here. 12 years. years. 12 years as head coach. Oklahoma State was 81 and 12 as a favorite. So so they they beat teams they were supposed to beat. That's That was a marker of the program for the first 12 years of Mike Gundy's uh, coaching uh, career in Stillwater, head coaching career. From 2017 until now, they're 17 and 10 as a favorite. So they have lost 10 games in the last three seasons, as a, two and a half seasons, as a favorite, whereas they lost 12 games the previous 12 seasons as a favorite. And I think that kind of sums up where we're at with, with Mike Gundy, with this program, and, and with its trajectory. Yeah, and it, it just leads to the question of why that is, and there's there's no good answer. I mean, we're not we're not in those between those walls. We're we're outsiders looking in, as as Mike would say. So I don't I don't know the reason for that, but it, I think it lends to questions of is Mike Gundy working as hard as he used to? Is he coaching as hard? What did we say about Mac Brown at the end of his tenure? It, it Texas it had kind of become a country club. And I know Mike said he worked them really hard during the week. I just, I question that. I, I do. I just, it just appears like they aren't ready to play teams they know when they watch film they're better than. It, it appears they, you know, they get up for the good teams, you know, that last year's 
look at last year. You know, when they play a good team, they bring it and they're ready to play. But when they play a team, they just view, ah, we, we always beat this team. We're better than them. They just, they think they can just run vanilla stuff on offense. They think they can just show up and win. And the record you just illustrated uh, sums that up. I mean, that's, that's a huge problem. And I don't, I don't know the reason for it. I, it leads me to assume things or make assumptions like I have, but I don't know. It's a, it's a huge problem. And it's something they got to figure out because, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, rock the mullet and it's one thing to do all these things and, and still win. When, when you're losing, it's not as, it's not as funny anymore. And it's not as, it's pretty damning, frankly, the stat that you, that you listed. And I don't even know how you looked that up, by the way. That was pretty impressive that you pulled that out. Thank you. Uh, they're also 10 and 11 in their last 21 Big 12 games, which honestly might be more damning than the previous stat. Yeah, I mean, so we can, so like when we break down things like recruiting and we're like, oh, well, he still wins. Well, he's not winning anymore. I mean, they're 10 and 11. They they are no longer, they've been the best, the second best program in the Big 12. Over the last two, two and a half years, they have not been. They are not, they are not the second best. So, I mean, it's, they got to figure it out. And again, this game against Baylor and Iowa State are massive and I don't know. It's um, it's a again. I think the Tech game to me was just totally confounding because they looked so good against Kansas State, and I do think Kansas State. Brandon said it best. Like they run different stuff, but they're not a bad team. Like they they make life tough on you, and to to lay an egg like they did against Tech is just just confounding. And I know they turned the ball over, but again, I just think it comes back to. The head coach. I mean, that he's the one that has to answer for all for all these these stats that we're listing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, do you have an interesting thing, or are we good on that? I think we're good. Mine mine was the one I threw out to Brandon. It was just lesser time. You know, they're four and six as a favorite, and then five and two as an underdog. Yeah, oh, since twenty seventeen. It's not good. It sets us up for a big second half of the year. Carson, we've got uh, we've got a bunch of basketball stuff coming this week on the website. We're going to kind of preview uh, a, a little bit preview the season before they get cranking, before homecoming next week. We've got an off week in football, but uh, you and I will be back uh, on Wednesday. You and I will be doing a, uh, a golf podcast for CBS on Wednesday. So we're, uh, we're, we're multi-sport, uh, multi-platform, not really multi-platform, still just a podcast, but uh we're gonna be uh spreading our wings and doing some different stuff this week so thanks again to brandon whedon for coming on uh taking the time always appreciate that and uh, carson we will talk soon sounds good see ya